There is no park in New York City like Inwood Hill Park. Inside most patches of green in the five boroughs, there's no doubt you're still in New York City. Even in Central Park, you're never too far from urban life. Inwood is different. At the northernmost tip of Manhattan, it's rugged. There are caves, rocky hills, and many areas that are secluded. The way the legend goes about this park, the founder of New Amsterdam, that's what they used to call New York before it was New York City, Anyway, the founder of New Amsterdam made a deal with the Lenape Indians in the year 1626 to buy this 190-acre park. Apparently, the exchange involved trinkets and beads. All these years later, there's a boulder where this historic deal took place. It represents not only this life-changing transaction, but also a tulip tree that stood here for more than 220 years. Tulips and tulip trees are still very common in the park, they are also a very important clue for the story I'm about to tell. Because in 2004, a young woman, 21 years old, named Sarah Fox, went for a simple afternoon run in this park. She ran right past that boulder, following a path around the bend into a more secluded section. She never made it home. They found her six days after she went for that run. When she was discovered, her body was surrounded by flowers, tulips from the trees that have dotted this park for centuries. I'm Dan Bowens, and this is The Tape Room, part of the Fox 5 Podcast Network. Here, we take a look back at some of the tri-state area's infamous and unsolved crimes. We know some of you may be new listeners, and maybe you heard about us after our TV special on Channel 5. Thank you for giving us a try. This time, we are following up on one of the cases we featured in that TV special, the murder of Sarah Fox. This is the full interview with one of her childhood friends. This woman was a part of the search for Sarah in those tense days after she vanished. Now, 15 years later, this friend, like everyone else involved in this case, is hoping for a break, hoping for justice. You'll notice she didn't want us to reveal her name. She's worried, she says, because the killer is still out there. On that day in May in 2004, just the alarm bells started to go off. Uh, people are starting to make phone calls. What's going on? I mean, what what do you remember uh, about that time uh, during that, that month, that late few days in May 2004? Well, the first thing, the first time I was aware of it, I got a phone call uh, from Sarah's sister, my friend, who said that Sarah hadn't been seen in about 24 hours and at that point the police had already been contacted and people were already searching for her up in New York I was um, I was in Philadelphia and when I got that phone call my heart just sank because I knew something terrible had happened because Sarah was not the kind of person to disappear she was not the kind of person to do that to her friends and family so I just knew that it was something bad and sort of come to find out that she was had gone for a jog uh, in Inwood Park. Uh, some people have described that as the last wild place in Manhattan, at least at the time. And that's where uh, that's where police are sort of focusing their search. I mean, why, from from what you're hearing at that time, why why were you hearing at that time? That's what police why police were were searching in that area. 
Well, Sarah did like to go for runs in Inwood Hill Park. She lived in the neighborhood at the time, and she was a pretty avid runner. And she always loved to be in nature, so uh, that place had had kind of a, a draw for her. And she had left home to go for a run, but she hadn't taken uh, a cell phone or a metro card. Um, so naturally it was assumed that she hadn't planned on going far. Like I said, it wasn't like her to just take off and disappear, mm-hmm. uh, especially not without a phone or, or, or transit. So that was the last place she was known to have been. And that's where the police started to focus their search. And but Inwood Hill Park is is very hilly and wild and wooded, and it's it's a difficult place to search. And police aren't the only ones searching. Uh, there are friends and there are family like yourself who join this search. Can you talk to me a little bit about what what that is like uh, as as we start to move forward? Yes. So, so those days that she was missing were a very difficult time, and the days just dragged on with no word. Every day was more frantic than the last because time was passing, and as much as we wanted to hold out hope, we had to find out what had happened. So it was six days later. Um... Sarah's family in South Jersey had organized uh, a bus to go up to New York and search the park, and I was part of that search, as were uh, many of her friends from high school, from that that tight-knit group. And we all went up on this bus, and the, the mood among us was just that we were doing what we had to do. We couldn't stop to think about it too much. We just had to cover all the ground um, and find out what had happened. So the police had searched the park already with dogs, I believe, um, but it turned up nothing. Again, this was a very wooded area. And friends and family on this bus got to the park. And at first, we, we started at the bottom of the park. It's pretty large, and at first we made a human chain, and we were combing the area together, but it was going very slowly, and um, eventually everybody broke off into these small groups to cover more ground um, and started walking these paths. And my mother was there. um, Our friends were there. It was just this big group of people who all cared about Sarah, And it was really this kind of incredible thing to see all of these people turning out. And within about 90 minutes, um, a group found what seemed to be human remains. Um, I was not part of that small search group. I came upon them right after, and they told everybody to basically back away from the area while police and other officials um, went to see what was going on. And so that was about 90 minutes after we started. And basically there was nothing for us to do 
we just waited and waited and waited to see what the official news would be. Uh, there were lots of reporters gathered at the, the entrance to the park, just waiting for any news. And we were all just kind of hoping that we would be able to figure out what was going on before it kind of hit the media. Because Sarah's disappearance had, it was such a strange thing. Um, there was a lot of media presence around it. So mm-hmm. there were newspapers and news reports um, during that entire week. And uh, it seemed like everybody everybody was watching and waiting, but we just wanted to know what had happened to our friend. That had, so, had to be hard. Mm-hmm. It was very hard. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do, but... I would do it again in a second, in a heartbeat. It's when it's somebody you love, you just don't think twice. And I think everybody in the park that day felt the same way. Did they find her CD player first in a in a different spot, or or did or did the the, the CD player and the discovery by this this group sort of all happen in the same area at the same time? So I believe the CD player was found in a different spot, and I think it was before we actually found her. I I remember them finding the CD player, and they even have been a different day. Mm-hmm. And that was what let us know that you know maybe maybe we had to find her too. Right, and the news eventually does come the 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 confirmation basically the news that everyone is hoping not to hear is is confirmed what 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 is how quickly does that happen and and sort of what happens then i mean with this these these the family and the friends who are sort of um who are have sort of come together over these last few days well we had waited for a few hours for the official word to come and it was a very tense and strange couple of hours with basically no information and nothing to do. And eventually, I don't remember who told me. Um, I think we all kind of knew in our hearts what was going on. But uh, it was just a blur of grief at that point. Uh, it was just hard to believe, even after everything we had been through. It was just surreal. And at that point, uh, Sarah's family, her immediate family, um, kind of went off to be together mm-hmm. as, you know, um, it's very understandable. And the rest of us, I remember just walking back to the bus through this kind of line of reporters and I was crying my eyes out um, as I think most people around me were Mm -hmm. and it was just all very surreal to have to get back on that bus and go home. You know it's it's one thing to have something like this happen and it's 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 as terrible as as it can be and then you come to the realization that your worst fears have come true. But for this case, it goes a step further because it's not just that these remains were found and it's not just that uh, a young woman's life has been taken. It's 
it's just the, the the way that this happened and the way that she was her, she was killed i mean is 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 in, incredible how, how are you guys when do you guys start to start to hear some of those details about what had actually happened to her Well, the details came out in the next couple of days. <clears throat> and as weeks and even months went by, um, more details became known. And it was terrible. It was absolutely a traumatic thing for all of us. And for something this deliberately horrible to happen to such a, a wonderful shining light of a person, um, it it makes you reevaluate the world and how you think about people and what you think is possible. Um, it was terrible. There was a ritual aspect to her murder. There were flower petals placed around her body, and eventually it came out that those flower petals were not from the trees around her that they came from a different place, possibly a different place in the park. And what does that mean? Uh, we don't know. We still don't know. It was just so strange. Um, it was it was almost ritual. It was it was very deliberate. That's the thing. It wasn't it was it didn't seem to be a crime of opportunity. Um, there seemed to be this planned aspect around it and I just remember we were all very confused as the details started to come out I mean you can understand something terrible happening you can understand somebody who's unhinged even taking the life of someone if they have the opportunity that kind of thing as horrible as it is it happens but this seemed to be just evil beyond deliberate evil that I I had never experienced. And almost almost nobody has ever experienced uh, that that kind of thing. I mean, it, it it really is. And and even as this information is coming out and and people are having to cope with it, is there a sense that this is a crime that is going to be solved, or at least that some answers are going to come out I have always had hope I have always had hope that Sarah's murder would be solved and that there would be justice for Sarah it's been almost 15 years now it's coming up on 15 years in May but even as all those years have passed um, I have always had hope now it's hard to say because it has been so long and I personally have have tried to face the reality that even if no one is brought to justice for it, um, just to be thankful that we had this person in our life and um, that she kind of showed us how to be good to one another in so many ways. But I have always, always hoped that there would be justice for Sarah. And as the case proceeds, there are a few people who sort of come onto the radar of investigators, and 
Is there frustration from family and friends that what seems like maybe a connection, a connection isn't there, or that sort of the investigation has stalled out? I mean, there has to be at some point when a person of interest sort of comes out that there there has to be this frustration from the family that you're you're there but you're you're not able to sort of cross the cross the finish line in in terms of moving the investigation forward well i really can't speak for sarah's family um i can really only speak for myself and there was uh one person who became the main person of interest and uh he kind of showed up uh as in the very early days of the investigation and he has shown himself to be wanting to be connected to the case time and time again um but there was not uh for whatever reason the the police the detectives could not move forward and i really don't have all the details on that um but certainly for myself it has been frustrating that there hasn't been justice for Sarah. Mm-hmm. And when when you uh, when you think about th- that day when you're sort of sort of searching and, and looking through the through the woods, can you sort of take me back to sort of how that search was was going? Like what was happening? I mean, people sort of like really down hands and knees sort of looking through the grass looking through the through the woods i mean what 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 is i, I hate to go back but what are, what is what is sort of happening at, during during that time so during the search um we were mostly on the paths through the woods and wood hill park is full of hills that are completely wooded and it's very hard to go off the path uh, so there were small groups of us, mostly on the path, but trying to search through the brush as well. Um, so we broke off into small groups, and we were just kind of combing the area. And I know I just had the strongest feeling that we would find her that day. I was just trying to um, hone in on where where would be a good place to search. The search itself was very difficult. So I just remember coming up a hill on the path and somebody from the search group ahead of us came down, came running down the path towards us and he just said, stop, stop, we found somebody. Mm-hmm. And that was when, that was when I stopped and, um, Myself and a couple of friends and my mother, we sat on this kind of railing um, overlooking, like right underneath the Hudson Bridge. And we waited there for a long time um, before we went back to the beginning of the park. But those, those 90 minutes were just some of the, the strangest and most tense moments I've ever experienced. And and you, you you sort of talked about it. I don't know how how comfortable you feel talking about it, but you you talked about the the way in which she was killed, this ritualized uh, nature of how it happened, the flowers that were placed, the organization of some of her personal items uh, that were placed there. What do we know about that? And sort of the thought of 
what it might mean for 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 who did this. I mean, you, you talked about it. it didn't seem like a crime of opportunity because there was so much detail and 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 effort put into put into this this awful awful act. Right. Um, there was a lot of seeming thought put into it. Uh, her body was found nude. Her clothes were stacked near her. Um, she had seemed to have been posed in some way. She was surrounded by this ring of flower petals. Um, her ribs had been broken and she had been strangled. And it seems, it, it all seems so deliberate. Um, it had been six days uh, on the wooded hillside in, in Woodhill Park. So there were some there were some details that we just didn't know because weather and and time had uh, had kind of washed things away. Um, but it seemed like it seemed like somebody had wanted wanted her to be found. It seemed like the work of somebody who wanted that work to be seen. It wasn't just that some deranged person had committed a murder and gotten rid of the body. It was also staged. And it, it looked like the work of somebody who wanted it to be found. In Inwood Hill Park, it's so wooded, and it would have been easy um, to, to put her somewhere where she would never be found. Um, there's water, there, there are rocks and brush. She easily could have never been found, but it was staged in a way that meant somebody, somebody wanted this work to be seen. And you told me that you were recently found yourself back in that park, uh, just sort of walking around. Was that the first time that you had been back there? Yes. So just a few weeks ago, I happened to be in New York, and I just had a strong feeling that I should go up there just for some closure for myself. <clears throat> and so I took the subway up there, and I spent a few hours just walking around. Um, I, I easily found the spots where everything had happened, you know, where her body had been found, where we had searched. Um, where we sat on that rail overlooking the Hudson. It was just something I felt like I needed to do for myself. And you, you said, uh, just in our interview here, just, just sort of wrapping up our conversation, you said that even if there is some kind of answer from an investigation, that there are things that, that you you are taking away from it no matter what, I mean, that, that you have to take away from the situation and, and sort of try to find some kind of light in, in this terrible dark moment. Absolutely. Sarah was uh, a good friend of mine, and to me, what happened to her to end her life doesn't define her. Um, I'm not going to let one sick person define 
somebody that I care about. And I've tried to take that feeling into the rest of my life as well and to really be present with my friends and family and try to um, try to be the best person that I can be when I'm with them. Um, and I think that's, that's a big lesson that I took away. You know, it was a long time ago and, uh, it was a long time ago, but Sarah is someone I'll never forget. If you want to see the on-air version of this story or our special as a whole, you can go to the Fox 5 NY YouTube page. As for this case, the NYPD has assigned one of its most seasoned cold case investigators. He tells us he is still in touch with the family and he's taking a new approach, digging deeper into Sarah's past, her life before she moved to New York City. Every year, he also puts up flyers inside Inwood and around the Inwood area. He's hoping someone will come forward with information. If you know something about this case and you think you can help, please call Crime Stoppers, 1-800-577-TIPS. You can remain anonymous. The Tape Room is part of the Fox 5 Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dan Bowens. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Matt Onimus. Our executive producers are myself, Matt Onimus, and Ahmad Asgar. Byron Harmon is vice president of Fox 5 News, and Lou Leone is vice president and general manager. If you have any information regarding this crime, you are encouraged to call Crime Stoppers, 1-800-577-TIPS, 1-800-577-TIPS. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Tape Room.